you tap your foot and raise your hand and put a $5 bill in a bucket, that's not enough. You want to take the Word of God, apply it to your life, and get bold as a lion. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, get bold. Amen. Look, look back at me and go, rawr, do it. Okay. All right. Hold your Bible up. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. Say, I choose to do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, say, I'll never be the same. Shout it out. Never, never, never. Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big praise. Come on, like he's worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We've been talking about, you know, being bodybuilders and, and uh, you know, builders of the body. And being, uh, you know, infused with the power that God had put on his son, on Jesus. We know that the Bible says, you know, Acts 10, 38, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with Holy Ghost power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. That same anointing that he put on him, he's put on you. Come on. I said the same anointing he put on Jesus, he's put on you. Right? You, you get up in the morning singing, I got the power. Because you, you've got it. One guy over there had it. Hey, I got the power. He, you know, you've got it. Right? You know, all you got to do is start activating it, start using it, start, start walking in it. Right? Remember last week we talked about how that Jesus showed up and, and the power of the Lord was present with him to heal them. The presence of God is with you. And it's for others. Right? It's, it's for others. And, 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 you know, what's cool about that is that if you can just relax a little bit and get your mind uh, open to what God wants to do, the reality is, is that in order for God to heal others through you, then he's got to heal you. Right? Because healed people heal people. Hurt people. You know, I, we, get so, we get so easily attached to, to the past and to things that have happened before, you know. And, and that person hurt me. Well, of course they did. Because they are a hurt person. Hurt people hurt people. Right? So when they came into your world, they hurt you. That's, that's not a bad on them. That's an indicator to you. Now you know how to pray for them. You know how to minister to them because they're obviously hurting because they just hurt you. Now that you know they're hurting, now you know how to minister. So you can start praying that God will bless them. Because you're not a hurt person. You're a healed person. And you, and you just got to get this mindset that I'm, I'm going to live in insane victory. Uh, I, you know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper, but every tongue that rises against me, I'm going to condemn. This is the heritage of the children of the living God. Right? I, I, I've got God with me. God is on my side. And if God be for me, who cares who's against me? For greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. I'm not going to buy into the lie of the enemy and be distracted with some sideshow distraction that makes it look like I'm going under. I'm not going under. I'm going over. Right? I, I live to win. And every day when I get out of bed, you know, I, I set on myself on a course that's going to demonstrate Satan's defeat. I'm going to be a humiliation to hell today. Come on, I'm talking about you today. Right? I'm talking about you. That you, you're gonna you're gonna humiliate hell. You, how many of you really want to demonstrate victory in your life? Hold it up. Hey, if it's if it's you, hold it up. Right? We're taking pictures. Right? I really I really want to demonstrate victory. Well, then you that raise your hand realize that in order to demonstrate victory means that you must encounter battle. But can we do that again then? <laughs> you know, I don't need no more battle. You know, so I'm not. What, 
we got to look at your neighbor and say, wake up, old sleeper. <laughs> some, of, some of them need it. Do, do it again. Say, wake up, old sleeper. I want victory, but I'd like to complain about the battle. You never win the battle by complaining. All you do is strengthen the enemy. Right? Complaining is, is a manifestation of a lack of trust in God. Well, if you believe God, then you know His Word says that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. So if you love God and you're called according to His purpose then you know that he's going to use it all for good. So what are you complaining about? Well, I don't like, well, frankly, Scarlett, where this isn't about. This is, you know, for this were you called, right? You were called to do good, even if it means suffering. It's Bible. You know, but, but we, we, think, we think that if we get saved and born again, that, that God ought to just make everything really easy for us. That, uh, you know, that when we, you know, when we, when we pull the lever, out comes little prizes. You know, going, going, going to church and getting the presence of God is kind of like opening a box of Cracker Jacks. There's a prize inside. Right? And I'm going out of here happy and with sticky fingers. It's going to be cool. <laughs> you know what? In order for you to be a blessing, God's going to have to bless you so you can relax on that side. God's plan is to prosper you, not harm you, to give you hope in the future. But you've got to stop whining in the middle of situations, and you've got to start looking for the good that you can do. you got Holy Ghost power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is now quickened your mortal body. you you got the same stuff operating in you that Jesus had in him. But he wasn't whining. He was shining. Right? And so he, he's looking for the opportunity now to humiliate hell. So when hell shows up, don't be freaked out. Get a little bit excited. Why? Because I'm going to make hell look bad today. Doctor tells you you're going to die. You can just say, well, you know what? I got a verse for that. I should have died, but I lived, and now I'm telling the whole world about the goodness of my God. Hello? Come on. Maybe the first thing that you got to ask yourself when you get up in the morning who am I going to believe? Who am I going to believe? Now, you're going to have to change. You do realize that, 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 uh, that uh, what God's wanted, he's not wanting just to bring you information. He wants to bring you transformation. So he's going to change you because you are the reason for most of your stuff. Right? Look what the devil's doing. The devil didn't do that. You did it. You know, your fingerprints are all over junk, and then you try to push it off on the devil. The devil's messing with me. He's messing with my relationships. Could it possibly be because you're a jerk? Just asking. Hello? Could, 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 it, could it be you? Because, you know, every time you show up, stuff goes south. No. I'm going to pack it. I'm going to a different church. Are you going to screw that one up too? Hello? So I know people who moved across the country because they're getting away from all that negativity. Get over there. Them people are negative too. Well, it ain't them. Yeah, look, look at the guy next to you and say, I think this might be for you. You might want to take notes. Tell him. <laughs> We're going to have to change. We're going to have to take the Word of God and apply it to our life, and we've got to change. Stuff that used to be so important kind of loses its importance when, when God begins to renew your mind. 
Remember how you used to just struggle and fight and argue to prove that you were right? And then a few years of growth, you find out you don't even care anymore. Hello? Come on, you might as well quit arguing and fighting. Just start loving one another. Because that, that, that would be good, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be good? If you could make it not only into service together, but all the way home. Change is on the way. Hallelujah. What we want to do is uh, we want to do good, we want to choose good, we want to see good, and we want to live good. How many want to live good? Hey Amen. Just, just want to live good. Want to live good. You know, and, and, and there's a shift that, that we want to produce even in the culture of the house, that we move ourselves from random acts of kindness to a lifestyle of performing acts of kindness. Well, you know, you've heard of that, right? Random acts of kindness. Some of you haven't even heard of that. It's, it's really cool. But a lifestyle, a lifestyle, you know, it's, it's, from, it's changing from an outreach program to a lifestyle of outreach. See, we have outreach. You know, uh, we, we, we were fasting and praying. How many of you guys fasted? If you, were, if you fasted this year, stand up. Stand up. I just I want to honor you tonight. Check this out. Isn't that awesome? I think give these guys a hand. Come on. That fasting stuff, that's the real deal now. Right? That's varsity. Amen. Look at your neighbor telling them that's varsity. You know, you take some of them people off of meat. That's crazy right there. And, and, and we're looking for the know-how uh, for how to take what God's going to do this year and sustain it and capitalize on what God's going to do. And, you know, we, we've really been praying. The leadership team's been praying. And we're believing God for great, great things. I'm telling you, I'm believing God for a huge increase this year. Right? But, uh, but how to sustain it, how to grow it. And God's really been speaking to me. And he's showing me that, you know, when, when real life is flowing in, in, in our church, you know, when are the times that, that it's just, I mean, man, it's just, Sparks are flying. It's cranking. Well, you know, that's share fest and, and uh, uh, adopt a family and uh, the one day. And, and, and we have these things all through the year that we do, you know, in, in outreach, right? Uh, but, well, why not have that life every day? So, 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 you know, you're doing good, right? You're doing outreach programs. But why not have a lifestyle of outreach? A mindset of outreach that, that, that you're not just generous four times a year. Right? But, 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 but every day of your life, you're, 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 you're like zeroing in, looking, hunting, hunting for opportunities to just freak people out with blessing them. Looking for it and, and, and giving to people who couldn't possibly refund you. Remember when we started the church, we were over in Pasco. And uh, uh, it, it was, I don't know, I think it was the second service that we, that we started uh, gathering school supplies for, for the school that was just across the street from us. Right? What's the name of that school? Longfellow, Longfellow. And by the time we were done, it took, we, we had multiple pickup truck loads of stuff that I can't remember. There's like a million, no, it's like 20,000 or 50,000 pencils, you know, and paper. I mean, literally, pickup truck. Every kid in that school got supplies. And we knew that they weren't going to come to our church because they couldn't understand a word we say. 
right? But we're, but we're just we're just sowing into their life just to be a blessing. And honestly, a lot of the breakthrough and a lot of the, the, the miraculous that you see here is just the fruit of that seed that was sown. So, so we're kind of crazy if we think, well, we just need to do that every now and then, and then you know, we'll just get by. The rest of the time, we'll worry about ourselves. Well, that's kind of a worldly mindset, isn't it? God, He's, he's taking us to a place. I really believe it. He's going to take us to a place that's going to blow your mind. Amen. I want you to open your Bible. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. And it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. Right? No more fear. No more fear. No more fear. Come on. God's working everything for good. What are you afraid of? You can trust Him. I really, in my mind, I pictured a much bigger amen right there. You, you can trust God. No more fear. Fear isn't from God. Fear is not a sin. How you respond to fear determines whether you're hitting the mark or missing it. Right? Read Jehoshaphat, Second Chronicles 20 and verse 20. Then, I think, it says, then Jehoshaphat feared. You know, all of us have to deal with fear. The armies that came against Jehoshaphat, Bible scholars say it was, his odds were 10,000 to 1 against him. Right? I mean, for, think about that. That's pretty heavy-duty odds. He, he was, he, then he feared. Well, duh. Right? That should be in the side note of your King James Bible. Duh. <laughs> but he said, but, but look what they did. They, they went out to God. Go, go home and read that later. They went out and they're, they're praying. They're talking to God. And he said, okay, this thing's bigger than we are. They're stronger than we are. We can't deal with it. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are on you, Lord. You, you do realize that that's the Vines Expository Dictionary definition of the word worship. is to rivet your eyes on someone or something, to sit at one's feet even as a dog sits at his master's feet, licking his master's hand. That's what he said. He said, this thing's bigger than we are. They're stronger than we are. they got more stuff than we got, but we're going to worship you. And see, in fear is, is a crossroad that you come to that asks you, what are you going to rivet your mind to? The problem or the solution? You know, what are you, what are you going to draw your attention to? And he said, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but, but a spirit of, but of power. God's given you power. Holy Ghost power. He's given, and love, man, love is the thing that's going to make that Holy Ghost power work because it's not using the power of God for yourself. It's using the power of God. The presence of the Lord was with him to heal them. The power is not here for you. It's for them. So, so the enemy's trying to make you afraid so that you won't have breakthrough, not just because of you. You're thinking too small. He wants to paralyze you and your house and your friends and your coworkers and everybody that God's connecting to you. This thing's bigger than you are. And tonight God said, he's fighting the battle for you. And if you believe that at all, then you don't have to be afraid. Because you can't find a battle he lost ever. Ever. He don't lose. Think about that for just a minute. Go back through the history of mankind. Find a time when God went, oops. Never. So you don't have to be afraid. He's giving you power and love. 
self uh, uh, well-disciplined mind. Look at verse 8. So never be ashamed to tell others about your Lord. You're not going to lose with the stuff we use. Never be ashamed to tell others about the Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, he said. Even though I'm in prison, with the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer. Be be ready to suffer. Remember, you're called to do good, even if it means suffering. So, So be ready to suffer for the sake of the good news. God saved us and called us to live a holy life. God saved us. See, a lot of us, we're trying to live like we're saved. And in, in, in human mindset, to live like you're saved kind of makes you pretty soon, you're, you're, you're like, you've got all kinds of rules and regulations and stuff that you've got to do, a little checkoff list every day, and you've got to do all these things because you're living like you're saved. You've got to prove I'm saved. You've got to prove I'm saved. I'm jumping through hoops when it looks too hard or too easy. I mean, when it looks too easy, we set the hoops on fire, right? And, and, and then when it gets too hard, then we, well, I'm weak. I'm just a poor, wormy sinner. Well, that's dumb because you were saved. But called. If you will live like you're called, you'll never have to worry about the saved part ever again. If you live like you're called, like you're called to make a difference, you're called to invest in this life that God has given you. You're, you're called that with that calling. What, what's that calling? That's an appointment. You've got power. You've got ability. You've got the resources of heaven. And look, Jesus, to the disciples he called, he gave them power. If he called you, then he's empowered you. And he's empowered you to to live a holy life, a holy life. What's the word holy mean? It means other than, right? Or or a cut above. A cut above, man. You don't don't have to live the low life that, that the world knows. We can live the high life that God knows. We've been called to live a holy life. And, and he did this not because we deserve it. Everybody say amen. amen. But because that was his plan. It was his plan to, to show us his grace through Christ. Now he has made all of this plan plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. Look, he broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life. No chains on me. No chains. I'm telling you tonight, man. You might be you might be struggling with addiction and all kinds of stuff. You don't have, you you can walk out of this room free. You you can just shake that stuff off and say, you know what? I, God God has sent His Son, and His Son broke the power of death, and He is the light. He's illuminating the way to life for me. I'm going to live that life. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going to live that life. I'm going to live that life, right? I'm going to live that life. We've got the grace of God. We've got, we've got God's grace. So we shouldn't have to do anything then. Ah. Right? A lot of, I got, I got God's, God's grace, man. I've got the grace of God on me, so... And we, we, we devalue the grace of God and make it like a blanket that we can hide under when it's an, an agent that empowers us. It's a, it's a force that enables us to go out and do things for God that we could have never done in our own strength. 
I'm telling you, the grace of God will do for you what a phone book did for Clark Kent. Make you super, superman. And the stuff that used to knock you down, man, it'll bounce off of you like crazy. But it's not, it's not just so that you can walk around doing nothing. It's to empower you to actually do some work. Look at your neighbor and say, he said work. John 14, 12, verily, verily, I say unto you, verily, 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 verily. You know what that means? I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. He that believeth in me, the works that I do, shall he do also, and greater works. So i got a question for you tonight, just one quick question, and, and, and i got about five more minutes to get an hour's worth of message in you, so get ready. Okay. <laughs> got a question for you. How are you stacking up against the works that Jesus did? How you doing? You doing good? He went about doing good. See, you know what? We get so messed up in our head. With mistakes we've made and choices we've made and words we've said and what we've smoked and what we haven't. And, and, and we, we forget that, you know, because the past is such a heavy weight on, we forget that in our present and moving into our future, what we're really supposed to be doing is the works that Jesus did. And according to him, even greater. Right? No chains on me. See, that, that stuff, that path, that's just a chain on you. And, and uh, you know what? Uh, well, you know, salvation is the gift of God. It's by grace and works aren't important. I'm telling you what, if you go home and do a word study, you're going to find out that works are pretty stinking important to God. You're not working to get saved. You're working because you are saved. Right? Faith, faith, some dude, what was it? Was his name James? James, James, he said faith without works is dead. And I know you're thinking, well, James, he, he shouldn't have even got in the Bible, man. He says some stuff I don't like. J- take James out. James was Jesus' stinking brother. Okay? Nobody knew him better than James did. And James hung around. James followed him. That's, that's a pretty impressive thing right there. But James said, you know what? You've got you to gotta, you gotta use your faith. Right? But you, but you, you use it in your works. Amen. Grace enables us to be saved by faith. But grace empowers us to do God's work and His will. It, God's grace is the enabling power to not sin. Grace is a power, not just a pardon. It's a power, not just a pardon. Uh, Grace doesn't grant me permission to live in sin, but it supplies the power to overcome sin and live in the Spirit. trying to think what I should read and what i got to get to. Look at James 2, 17 through 20 in the NLT. So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it's dead and useless. Good deeds. Everybody say good deeds. deeds. Keep going. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there's one God. Good for you. Even the stinking devil believes that. Right? Look at verse 20. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? I love love the NLT here. Hello? If you're not doing good, then what you got is worthless. 
We've been having technical problems tonight. Did you hear what I said? And if you're not doing good, then your faith sucketh. Well, God, why am I going to do good? Because it's going to build the body. It's going to show the world the goodness of God. It's the goodness of God that leads to repentance. We're not doing good to get something. We're doing good because we've received something. And God has been so good that we ought not be able to go to sleep at night without making sure we've done some good. Because if, if we're connected to Him, we're supposed to be doing what He did and even greater things than He did, we've been empowered by God to do. Revelations 22, 12. Behold, I'm coming soon. I'm going to bring with me my wages and rewards with me to repay and render to each one just what his own actions and his own work merit. Payday's coming. Look at you. never say, ah, payday's coming. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.10. We must all appear and be revealed as we are before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive his pay according to what he has done in the body. Man, uh-oh, I'm looking forward to it. Some of you guys are nervous already. Uh-oh, why don't you change that? Uh-oh. Come on now. I'm so glad somebody said that. Yes! Aren't you excited? I mean, I don't know about you guys, but you know, on payday, I'm going, yeah. Thank God. Look what he said. Each one's going to receive his pay according to what he's done in the body, whether good or evil, considering what his purpose and his motives have been, what he's achieved and busy with and given himself and his attention to accomplishing. It's crazy. God's coming back. And you're either in a good mood or you're going, oh, dear Jesus, please. Show me the grace. Show me the grace. Now, the grace is to empower you to do good. You know, it's so awesome. We're, we're, next week, we're starting the service, right? And every time we, we add a service, we, we, we get out there and we're trying to get people to go, we got, we got it covered. It was just people stepping up and, and saying, okay, I'll, I'm going to serve. And, you know, we're starting a new parking lot team. And because, we, well, we're believing God for insane increase, so we've got to get ready. Right? And so, so, oh, by the way, if you see a guy with a cone, and he, would you please just help him? And he doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> just park somewhere near him and make him feel good. You know, don't, you know, don't, don't chase him through the parking lot. I know what I would do, you know, back in the day. <laughs> you know, no, get, get, have some grace. Okay, you've been graced by God to just do it. And, and you're thinking, well, I don't want to park that far from the building. Well, why should our first-time guests have to be the ones? Just saying. But, you know, people, people getting plugged in and getting connected and getting committed and starting to complete. And, and what's cool about that is that, you know, you're all going to appear before the judgment seat. So you can give an account according to what you've done in the body. In the words of a great friend of mine, uh-oh. <laughs> well, do I have to? No, you get to. My dad, you know, we had quite the different upbringing. We were in church at least once every day, most of the time. A lot of times, multiple times during the day. Do, do we have to? No, you get to. So there's a choice? No. 
Nope, you just get to. Well, I was kind of hoping I could. Nope, you're going to be with me at church on the platform. Need you, son. You get to. You get to. I'm going to be honest. There, there were a moment or two that I didn't think that was so fair. Today, I'm so glad I got to. So glad that I got to. You know, well, well, we got kids. Well, bring them to church. Make it part of their lifestyle. And I, I'm just so thankful for my heritage and my upbringing. I'm so thankful. Mom, thank you. Thank you for hauling me in there and not leaving me there too often. <laughs> Most of all, thanks for coming back when you did. We've got to get this heart, this mindset, that's not just every once in a while, but constantly living to do good. You know, the Bible teaches us that we're not only doing good to those outside, but it says especially to those of the household of faith. Especially to those that he's brought into your life. Especially to those that, you know, because every joint supplies each joint. And, and, and there's stuff in you that's flowing from you into somebody else and into the body. The body needs you. You make a difference. Don't, don't you ever let the enemy tell you that it doesn't make any difference if you're here or not. Yes, it makes a difference. Your life makes a huge difference. And, and we've got to have this, this shift that, that we're not just doing it every now and then. But, no, it's, it's part of our lifestyle. And, and you know, uh, because final outcome is dictated by character. Character is the product of habits. Habits are the result of consistent actions. Actions are the result of Choices. Choices are the byproduct of our emotions. Emotions are developed by the words we hear, right? Well, your final outcome is, is dictated by your character. It's not dictated by what's going on around you. That's so, right. Great character cannot be contained by, by crappy results. Read the Bible. Joseph, sold into slavery, pops to the top. Put into prison, pops to the top. Why? He's got great character. Guy with bad character. Uzziah, right? King Uzziah, he, everything he touched turned to gold. Everything. This guy's got it going on, but one day, he, he, one day he decided his true character came out. And he overstepped his boundaries. And leprosy came upon him. And, and the, Isaiah said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord lifted up. And his, and his glory filled the temple. You know what that means? That, that means until Uzziah died, all we could see was Uzziah. But when Uzziah died, we saw the Lord lifted up. His character, he, he couldn't sustain a good outcome because he had such bad character. Well, your character is, is the byproduct of your habits. Well, a habit's not something you do three or four times a year when you're persuaded. A habit is something that you do every week because you're convicted. Serving the body. Participating in every outreach that we do. Always, always going above and beyond. Always giving more. And it's a heart. It's a mindset. It's the heart of a servant. Look at your neighbor and say, the heart of a servant. I'm over. Can I, can I just read you four keys, four facts about the heart of a servant? Number one, heart of a servant is moved with compassion. Moved with compassion. Right? If you don't have any, ask God for some. Get real. Come on, there's going to be days that you're not just a bowl of compassion. So ask, ask the Lord. James, uh, he said, you know, if any of us lack wisdom, 
Let him ask of God, who giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not. What, what can wisdom get you? Anything you need. How do you get money? Wisdom. How do you, can, how do you keep money? Wisdom. How, how, do you, how do you save your marriage? Wisdom. Uh, how, how do you make your marriage stronger? Wisdom. Uh, how, how do you get... So no matter what you need, God, he actually could have said, James could have said, if you lack anything, let him ask of God. Well, if you lack compassion, ask God. God, give me your heart. Give me your heart. I, I want to serve, but uh, I, I want to be who you've called me to be. But right now, I don't even like anybody at church. I've prayed that prayer. Uh, number two, fact number one, that heart's moved with compassion. Fact number two is you're never too cool, never too big. Serving is not beyond you. Hello? It's not beyond you. It is you. Somebody say amen. Number three, I got scriptures for all of these. I just don't have time. Number three, third fact, no strings attached. No strings attached. I got to tell you something. You know, when we do a, a free market and we, and we tell, you know, we, we tell people, we kind of advertise it, that it's, it's just like the love of God. No strings attached. So what do we need? You don't need anything. You know, free market is when we bring all of our best. You know what a flea market is? A flea market is where you take your worst your junk, and you hope to get somebody's money for it. A free market's where you bring your best and you give it away. Right? So we, we set up in the parking lot and we fill the parking lot with all of our stuff. We bring stuff from home. We pray and ask God and He tells us what to bring. And we end up with dining room sets and bedroom sets and kitchen sets and every, you know, clothes. And, and, you know, just fill it up. And people come up, okay, what do I have to pay for a ticket? No, it's free. Uh, what, what do I do? It's free. What do I do? It's free. And we tell them there's no strings attached. But really the strings that we need to deal with are the ones that we've attached. Because it never, it never fails that somebody pulls up in a car nicer than you've got and they pick up your couch. And the thought that's going in your mind is, wait a minute. And they say, can you help me load it? And you say, I'll help you load it. And, and you get to their house, and they got 3,000 square feet on the golf course, and you're thinking, this isn't right. And that's the string that God's trying to detach from you. Right? And you're going to serve. You're going to serve with no strings attached. And number four. Man, I really had some great scriptures, too. Maybe next time. Fourth fact of a servant heart is he's radically, ridiculously generous. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. Check this out. This is so cool. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. But the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Can I just tell you tonight, some of us, some of us need to realize that the help that we've needed, we've been waiting on God to come through, and God's been waiting on you to be an usher. We've been waiting on God to save our marriage, and God's been waiting on you to serve the children. Because it's the law. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help are the ones who are helped. Oh, we're so busy. See, that's what makes it so awesome. Shouldn't we get paid to do this? No. Because then it wouldn't be a gift. Hello? You know, I thought that's what we paid you to do. No, you don't pay me to do the work. You pay me to equip you so you can do the work. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians. 
that God gave pastors and prophets and evangelists and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the equipping of the saints, so they could do the work of the ministry. I'm not in the ministry. You are. I mean, wouldn't it be kind of weird if you pulled in the parking lot and there I am? You get out of the car. I get up to the front door. Hi. Wait here. Now I'm head down the hall so I can greet you in here and seat you. No, there's hundreds of people every weekend serving the body. Hundreds of people every weekend so that any of this can be pulled off at all. And if you're not one of them, uh-oh. And that it creates the habit which produces the character which gives us the end result that God's called us to, to produce. It's not going to stop in the four walls, but it ought to start here. There again, in my mind, I had this huge amen. People throwing money and stuff. Then, then you get to live good. One more scripture. And we're out of here. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider and get a, give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. Studying how we might stir up, and stimulate and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities. Not forsaking, neglecting to assemble together as believers as the habit of some is. But admonishing, warning, urging and encouraging one another all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. Stirring each other up. Stirring each other up to do good. Amen? Close your book, bow your head. Father, I just thank you tonight that you are stirring us up. You are empowering.